This is the 2016 Manitoulin Family Bible Camp. Our speaker for this session is Brother Andrew Branhill from Birmingham, Shirley, UK, Ecclesia. His theme this week is In the Days of Jeremiah. This is his first class on the subject entitled Making Sense of It All. Our reading was taken from Jeremiah chapter 1. Brother Andrews. Thank you, Brother Brian. Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a, it's a rather ambitious title, isn't it? Making sense of it all. I'm not sure if we'll uh, get to 11 o'clock and feel we've, we've um, uh, succeeded in this particular mission, but let's see how we go. Um, uh, we we, we uh, set the scene a little bit last night. Uh, the, the background to Jeremiah, I think, comes in 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, let's have a look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, please. In, uh, in this uh, little account, we have uh, Hannah and Elkanah leaving their son to grow in the temple. Um, a young man, of course, growing up at the feet of Eli, the Lord speaking to him. Uh, and we remember how uh, the, the Lord communicated to him during the night and uh, that there was this lovely exchange where Samuel uh, didn't know it was the Lord who was speaking to him. Um, but when the... Uh, uh, when the uh, prophecy came, it was something special. Verse 11 of 1 Samuel 3, the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. I'm going to give you a prophecy, Samuel, here, that when you, that when you um, uh, relate it to others, it's going to be such an astonishing thing that it will make ears tingle. And we only come across that phrase in three places throughout our Old Testament prophecies. And here, the prophecy is about the downfall of the house of Eli. And Samuel, who's been raised by Eli, um, hears this prophecy, which is, which is quite difficult, isn't it? If you just look from verses 12, 13, and 14, um, uh, it's all about Eli's sons who had made themselves vile, uh, and he had not restrained them. Uh, it's about their sins being so bad that there's going to be no sacrifice that can take away their sins. Uh, and therefore, it's a prophecy about Eli's house uh, coming to an end. It will be destroyed. Uh, and, and Samuel, uh, it says in verse 15, he lay until the morning. That's just not a little instruction that he, he went back to bed for the rest of the night. He lay worried about this until the morning. He's got to communicate this to Eli and tell him that his house is going to be destroyed uh, and that will be the end of it. So it's a very, uh, a very difficult thing uh, that he has to communicate. And of course, when Samuel does so, uh, and Eli accepts that this is the word of the Lord, then fulfillment came swiftly, didn't it? Um, Hophni and Phinehas destroyed on the battlefield in the same day. Uh, we read together in this room on Saturday about Saul uh, encouraging Doeg the Edomite to lift his sword, and 85 priests were killed. That was the destruction of Eli's house. It came quickly, and it was brutal and savage. Uh, and, and it was a, a, a very sudden and bleak end. We also read, of course, that Abiathar was to escape on that occasion. There was just one out of the house uh, of Eli who managed to get away. Uh, and Abiathar went and spent his days with David uh, and was a very faithful servant to David, of course, wasn't he? He was the one who had the ephod and he was the one who helped David uh, in his decision-making. Uh, turn over with me to 1 Kings chapter 2, please, if you would. Because after the reign of David, you will remember there was then a question mark about who would be king. Uh, you, you, you'll remember the encounter in these first two uh, uh, chapters. Um, uh, Abiathar uh, decided to support Adonijah and not Solomon at this particular time. And therefore, when Solomon was established on the throne, uh, he was to banish Abiathar, this last man of the house of Eli, um, out of the city of Jerusalem. He would no longer uh, be at court. Uh, so First Kings chapter 2, verse 26. And unto Abiathar the priest said the king, Get thee to Anathoth, unto thine own fields, for thou art worthy of death, 
but I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord God before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all wherein my father was afflicted. So because of his loyalty to David and because of his role as priest, Solomon banishes him. You are worthy of death, he says, but I'm not actually going to kill you. Uh, there's, there's almost a, uh, a threat in that, though, isn't there? Uh, I'm not going to kill you yet. Uh, you step out of line again and I will. That's the kind of uh, inference here. Uh, but the instruction is, you go to Anathoth. You are disgraced. You are not in favor. You leave this place uh, and you go to Anathoth. Um, and I'm suggesting to, to you um, that this is then the home of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the priest that we come across, may well be able to trace his um, ancestry back to this particular man who is banished from Jerusalem and raises his family in his own fields uh, at Anathoth. Uh, and when we get into Jeremiah, um, uh, as we will do this morning, we come across this young man who's hearing the word of the Lord. He's worried about what he has to say, just like Samuel was. He's got to communicate a difficult message. Um, and the three occasions where this phrase about the ears tingling uh, one of them comes here in Samuel, as we've seen. Another comes in Second Kings, where it's uh, uh, prophets talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And let's just turn over to Jeremiah chapter 19, please, just so we've completed the set. Um, it's part of the prophecy that Jeremiah has to give as well. So Jeremiah 19 and chapter, three, uh, and chapter 19 and verse 3. This is in the chapter about the, uh, uh, the earthen vessel, the potter's house. Uh, and say, verse 3, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, the which whosoever heareth is his ears shall tingle. Uh, so, so here is Jeremiah now, just in the position that Samuel was in, having to communicate a difficult message, having to communicate a message that his people uh, would not like to hear. Um, and you can imagine, he would lie awake all night worrying about this. So uh, that, that just gives us a, a flavor for the difficult position that Jeremiah was in. Um, uh, coming out of a, a disgraced family, banished to Anathoth, um, having to uh, um, communicate a message just like Samuel did, which the people didn't want to hear. Uh, and when they hear it, it's such an astonishing prophecy that it will make ears tingle. So, so that's, that's the, the, the background to it. Let's, let's open our Bibles then in chapter 1. And we're just going to do a little bit of flicking between uh, uh, Jeremiah and Kings for a, uh, for a short time. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 1, then, we, we come across Jeremiah, who lived in Anathoth. Anathoth was one of 13 cities that were given uh, to Aaron of Levi in the, uh, in the tribe of Benjamin. You can read that in Joshua chapter 21. Um, it was very close by Jerusalem, um, only three miles northeast of Jerusalem. So it was close enough for Jeremiah to know what was going on. It was close enough for anyone living in Anathoth just to know what was happening in the big city, uh, what was happening around the priesthood, what was happening around the temple, what was happening around the king's palace. Um, those in Anathoth were close enough uh, uh, to know what was happening. Uh, we read in our reading this morning of, of chapter 1 that he was a young man when he was called uh, uh, to begin his mission, just like Samuel. Uh, in verse 6 of chapter 1, um, the Lord says, uh, sorry, Jeremiah's response was, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto him, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Uh, so it's not uncommon, is it, for those who are called by the Lord to undertake a, a particular mission to feel that they are hopelessly inadequate. Uh, perhaps everyone sitting in the seats this morning is feeling, well, I, that, that's just me. You know, why has the Lord called me to do this particular piece of work? Why is the Lord asking me to embark on this particular action? Uh, and we, we, we look at ourselves and we, we see our own qualities amounting to this much. 
uh, and we look around and we say, yeah, but that brother can do this and that sister can do that and they're much better equipped to do it. Now, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that the, the Lord chooses those who are uh, uh, weak and seemingly inadequate. Uh, and he does that deliberately. He, he, he does that because this is his work. It would be absolutely no good if we got to the end of a piece of work for the Almighty and we could say, that was because of my skill, that was because of my prowess, that was because of all my talents. Uh, what, what, what kind of work would that be for the Lord? Uh, but you get to the end of it and we feel, oh, we don't quite know how we manage that. But it was the Lord working with us and the Lord working through us and that, that's how he does it, isn't it? So Jeremiah, starting out on this mission, you're choosing me? Did you not know how young I am? What about all these other experienced brethren? Why aren't they being called? No, I'm calling you, Jeremiah, to do this. Uh, and as, as inadequate as he felt, uh, he was going to undertake this particular work. But we have the historical information in the first two verses of this chapter, don't we? Um, uh, first three verses. Uh, verse 2, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, in the 13th year of his reign. It also came in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and also unto the 11th year of Zedekiah. So those are the three principal uh, kings who um, were on the throne when Jeremiah was prophesying. A couple of other kings come in between, as I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll, you'll recognize, and we'll put those on the board in a moment. But that broad span um, comes to a 40-year prophecy. Uh, Jeremiah was actively speaking to the people of Judah, the nation of Judah, uh, for 40 years. Uh, and the principal kings who were reigning at the time uh, were Josiah, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the broad timeline. If you can see that, Josiah reigns from 640 BC to 609 BC, and uh, Jeremiah starts his prophecy uh, his work part way through Josiah's reign. Um, and you will know that this was uh, a period of great reform. Uh, Jeremiah might be happy to be engaged in his work when a king like Josiah is on the throne. He, he was someone special, wasn't he? He was a man who uh, got the word, who was moved by the word, who wanted to implement the word, who wanted to change others because of the word. Uh, and that was his great motivation. So, so Jeremiah, as a prophet of the word, uh, would connect with Josiah and would be uh, uh, comfortable um, in his reign. He would be excited by what was going on. Uh, the, the, the wider world, however, was a very unstable place. Um, you remember Assyria, the nation that had come and taken Israel into captivity, uh, uh, getting on for a hundred years earlier, uh, well, well, they were now in decline. And when a mighty empire starts to decline, other nations start to rise, they start to position themselves, they start to nibble at the edges of a diminishing empire, they start to try and take uh, land themselves. Um, and uh, in 625 BC, the Medes came and they attacked uh, Nineveh of the Assyrians and while they were doing that that allowed the Babylonians to start breaking free and establishing themselves um, and in 612 BC the Babylonians finally took Nineveh uh, and they became in the north certainly the empire in the ascendancy um, but but other nations weren't uh, uh, weren't letting uh, uh, Assyria just decline and not take any action. The Egyptians, for example, uh, they were keen to capitalize, and they were the ones who came north to try and take some of the land of uh, the, the nation of Assyria. And it was in uh, in a battle between um, uh, the the uh, um, nation of Egypt coming up to the Assyrians that uh, Josiah got involved. Uh, and you remember how he was killed uh, in a battle which didn't really involve him. And that was in, uh, in 609 BC. It's a very brief reign of Jehoahaz. Uh, it was only for three months, you might remember. He wasn't the eldest when he was put on the throne. Uh, so it was a very brief period that he reigned. And, uh, and Pharaoh Necho said, no, you're not staying on the throne. Uh, and he removed him and put Jehoiakim uh, on the throne. And Jehoiakim, who was a particularly evil man, as we will see, a very great contrast uh, to Josiah, uh, he was to reign for uh, 11 years. Uh, in 605 BC, we have uh, the first invasion of Nebuchadnezzar. 
um, King of Babylon, of course. Um, th 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 these dates are, are there or thereabouts. I wouldn't um, ask you to, to, to quote them as being absolutely accurate. It seems you can get variances of two or three years on some of these dates. Uh, but he invades around this time, and of course in that first invasion, uh, this was a time when, uh, uh, when the wise uh, young men went, Daniel and his friends, when those of the ha royal household were taken captive, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar was taking the best of the land uh, back to Babylon. Uh, in 598 BC, he comes again. This was when Ezekiel was taken. Uh, and this was a time when uh, uh, Jehoiakim's reign came to an end. A uh, very brief reign of Jehoiachin, his son, again only for three months, but he was taken captive. Uh, and Zedekiah was put on the throne uh, for 11 years. And it was only when Zedekiah uh, became such a, a hopeless servant of Nebuchadnezzar uh, that Nebuchadnezzar invaded for a third time, and that's when we get this dreadful siege of Jerusalem uh, and the destruction of the temple. And what, what, what was the end of days, really, for the nation of Judah? Uh, so, so that's the that's the little history lesson, if you like. A lot of that you will know um, uh, a lot of it um, isn't key to understanding Jeremiah, but it is helpful to have that background in mind uh, as we turn some of the pages together. I, I alluded to this uh, yesterday evening, which was the, uh, the chronology of the book. The first 20 chapters generally aren't dated. Uh, they're not pinned down to any particular king. Uh, but when you get to the chapters that are dated... Um, it really causes us to scratch our heads a lot. So, so I've, ju I've just put the broad outline uh, of the book there uh, from 21 to 37. And you can see uh, that it just dots around in a most peculiar way, doesn't it? Uh, and, and, and that's reflective of the first 20 chapters. You know, the, the, the first 20 chapters that we get aren't following a particular chron chronological sequence. Uh, and we might look at that and we might say, what's going on here? Uh, and you turn to, you turn to commentators um, to see if they've got any ideas, uh, and they're hopeless. I'm sorry, I can't put it any other way. What one of them said, well, it's as if Jeremiah and Baruch had to leave Jerusalem in a rush and they gathered their papers and dropped them all. But then they sco scooped them all up and published them in the order that they picked them up off the floor. Oh, thanks very much. That's very helpful. Yes, I'll, I'll, share what, I'll share that with the good brothers and sisters at Manor Toolin and see what they make of that. Um, uh, but, but it is interesting, isn't it? What, 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 why is the book of Jeremiah coming to us like that? Um, because ours is not a God of chaos. Ours is not a God of disorder. Ours is a God of thought and logic and reason and, and everything he does is for purpose. Uh, um, now, the fact that we can't get behind that purpose always uh, doesn't mean he's at fault. It means we're at fault. Um, so so I, I, I'm not sure I'm equipped to do this um, at all, brothers and sisters, but I, I'll, I'll share with you one or two little thoughts which have come my way uh, whilst I've been preparing this. Um, that, that there's, a, there's a little fashion, if I can call it that, in the UK at the moment to look at Bible chiasmus. If I say that word... Uh, do I get some? I get getting some nods around the audience, okay, which is which is helpful. Uh, and, and this is a uh, a structure that you find in uh, a lot of Hebrew uh, uh, texts and Hebrew poetry. Um, and, and some of the brethren in in the UK, brother Stephen Palmer has done a lot of work on this. And there is a, a lovely website that you can go to, and you can spot these chiasmus and and, and upload your own if you uh, if you come across any. Um, so, so I share this with you. This isn't actually uh, one that came from that website. Um, but but it is it is worth looking at, and you can see that these are of benefit, I think. So um, would you just um, um, join me as we look through one or two references in these early chapters and just begin to see uh, a little theme that's developing here. So in those early verses of chapter 1, we have an introduction. And in that introduction, we've got uh, Jeremiah's call. We're going to uh, read about his family. We're going to read about him being at Anathoth. We're going to read if, uh, his first two signs, certainly. So this is an introduction uh, which uh, sets the scene for us. And, and it's going to be followed by 
condemnation of Judah, which runs through chapter 2 and into chapter 3. Uh, and some of the things you need to look at here, uh, from verse 4 onwards, we have um, comments about the unfaithfulness to Yahweh, the unfaithfulness to the God of Israel. Verse 4, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, uh, What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me? This is God's point, and it's almost as if, in God's point of view, he can't understand what's going on. Have I been unfaithful to you, he's saying to these people? Have I ever let you down? Look through your history, look through your, your records and see if there's ever been a time when I, as God of your nation, has, has failed you. And if that's the case, why are you as a people failing me? And you get to verse 11, uh, and he's saying, Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. In other words, um, nations around, uh, they've got all their false gods, but at least they're loyal to them. At least they're not changing their gods all the time. Whereas you, sometimes you worship me, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're choosing other gods. Uh, you're just completely fickle uh, in your worship of me. So there's, there's a great condemnation uh, of, Israel, uh, of Judah uh, in these verses. And then a, 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 an interesting little comment in verse 28. But where are thy gods that thou hast made thee? Let them arise, if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble. For according to the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. So, so call on all these other gods that you've got. Have a, have a look at them and see what they have to, have to offer by way of salvation. Because you have as many gods as you have cities. You've multiplied gods to you. Uh, so says the prophet Jeremiah. So, so this is... Uh, this little section is the condemnation of Judah. Uh, we then, uh, from verse uh, 6 of chapter 3, uh, right through that chapter and into chapter 4, we have condemnation of Israel for her idolatry. Um, we, we're not particularly going to lift any verses out of that. You could have a look at that uh, in your own time. But, but here is... Uh, uh, the prophet talking about Israel's idolatry. And this is the nation that, of course, has been uh, taken away uh, into captivity. Uh, and the consequence of this, the consequence of this is going to be a great disaster from the north. Uh, and and uh, remember last night I said we need to be inserting ourselves always into the text here. We are a people who understand about a godless society. We are a people who understand about the wickedness of mankind in the eyes of Almighty, uh, of the Almighty, and we know what His remedy is. And this invasion from the north, which is coming down on the people of Israel, is is the message that we ought to be witnessing to. And, and this this disaster from the north, if I can just uh, uh, bring one or two little verses to your attention here, uh, verse five um, of chapter four. Declare ye in Judah, publish in Jerusalem, and say, Blow ye the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together, and assemble yourselves, and let us go up to defensed cities. Uh, uh, that's the natural reaction, isn't it? If you're out in the fields and some army is coming, get yourself into a walled city uh, where you have some kind of defense, uh, the fortified cities that would be able to help. Uh, if you look at verse, uh, verse 15, uh, there's reference to a voice declaring from Dan. And of course, Dan was the northernmost tribe. So that was the tribe right in the front line. When an invasion comes from the north, well, it's someone like Dan and the people of Dan who are going to suffer this first. Uh, uh, so they are going to be declaring, they are going to be saying, uh, the horses are on their way. Um, and, and there's a, uh, from verse, uh, sorry, in, in chapter 6, all part of this same section um, about destruction and disaster from the north. Um, if you look at verse 12 onwards, we've got prophets who are saying the false messages to the people about this disaster that's coming. Verse 12, their houses shall be turned unto others, their fields and wives together, for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. 
And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. So the people were speaking this, uh, the, the prophets and the priests were speaking this false message uh, and, and, and saying things that the people wanted to hear, not what was truth from God. Uh, and that there's a lesson simply there for all of us uh, to make sure we're saying the right things. Uh, so you, you can see how this is building, uh, uh, brothers and sisters. And, uh, and then in chapter 7, which we will come back to uh, in a little while, we have Jeremiah speaking about repentance. Um, so t- through these early chapters of Jeremiah, there are three occasions where he goes to the temple and delivers a temple address. Uh, And this is his first. And it's a call to repentance um, uh, to the people. And uh, and the prophet gives that. Now, if you're familiar with chiasmus, then you you, you know what comes next. And it's it's the same kind of pattern, but for the bottom half of the table. So, So we'd expect then the following verses to talk about disaster from the north. And that's exactly what we get from Uh, chapter 8 verse 4 to chapter 9 and verse 26 Uh, and if you look here in verse 14 for example why do we sit still chapter 8 verse 14 assemble yourselves let us enter into the defense cities let us be silent there so here are the people saying the same things we need to get into the fortified cities that will be a place of safety for us Uh, verse 16 for the snorting of his horse we was heard from Dan. So there again, Dan were hearing these invading armies uh, coming, and they were crying uh, and raising the alarm. And if you go back up to, to verse 10, we have quoted here verbatim the words that we read together from verse 6. Um, look at verse 11, for example. For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And 10, 11, and 12 are quoted verbatim out of chapter 6. So, so uh, you can see it's the same kind of message here that's been repeated uh, for the people. Next comes condemnation uh, of the nation of Israel from chapter 10 um, to the end of, uh, end of that chapter. Um, Nothing particular to draw to your attention there. Uh, Let's concentrate on the condemnation of Judah. Um, We picked out one or two verses there. Didn't we have a look at 11 verse 13? This wayward people. Um, 11 verse 13. For according to the number of thy cities were thy gods, O Judah. We've read that before, haven't we? Um, And the same kind of language uh, is coming out here. Uh, And the conclusion is... Um, uh, rather similar to the introduction it takes us back to Jeremiah it takes us back to his home it takes us back to Anathoth and it takes takes us back to a family who reject him for his message so I lay that out before you as a a biblical chiasmus uh, which then starts to put at least a pattern to it doesn't it brothers and sisters Uh, and of course if if you are familiar with this sort of thing then that middle line is the bit that's the focus. We're we're trying to get into that little bit, aren't we, which is the call to repentance. That's the bit that this is all pointing towards. Uh, And maybe then uh, that's one way in which we could look at the book. And if if we can do that with the first 11 chapters of Jeremiah, is it possible to do with other parts of Jeremiah? Uh, Maybe there's an exercise there for us all to have a look and see if there are other uh, patterns uh, that might come out here. Um, I I think um, there is one for the whole of the book itself, and maybe uh, as we progress the week together, uh, we'll have a look and see uh, uh, on what that says for us. Uh, let's go back to the uh, let's go back to the beginning for a little while, shall we? To uh, to chapter one, and just make sure we've got. Uh, Uh, some of the information that we need to have here. We've been introduced to this young man who was a nervous uh, prophet, um, but we need to get his first vision, which is in chapter 1 and verse 11, which is an emphasis on the word of the Lord. Um, 
Everything we do, everything this man was to do, everything that, that drives our lives, brothers and sisters, has to be founded on the word. Moreover, verse 11 of chapter 1, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Um, you've seen this, uh, this tree that buds quickly, that buds early. Uh, my word will now be hastened. Pay attention because I'm going to speak my word. And of course, the, uh, the word that he's going to bring to fruition and bring to completion here is this great stirring from the north, this great invasion from the north. And the next thing that Jeremiah sees is this, this bubbling cauldron which is pointing towards the north, and it's this seething pot, which is shortly due to spill over and run through the land, bringing disaster. And that's the first sign uh, that Jeremiah sees uh, and has to deal with. Uh, we'll, we'll not read it, but verses 14, 15, and 16, which were read uh, earlier today. This is the seething pot from the north that will uh, run over the land of Israel. And the Lord says, and that's the message I want you to go and share. That's what I want you to warn the people about. Uh, and we sometimes overlook the mercy of God, don't we, in, in sharing his plans and his message with people. Uh, we are in an enormously privileged position to have some understanding of the way the Almighty is at work. We might not know all the details, we might not know all the timing, but he's got this all sorted out. And he shared it with us. And he's saying to us, Will you share it with others? I, I want others to know about this. He is not a God who wants to bring destruction. He is not a God who wants to, who wants to kill and destroy. He is a God who wants to save. So much so that he allowed his only beloved son to die. And he's saying, will you go and share that message? Will you tell them that destruction is coming from the north? You know, and Jeremiah's natural reaction is, well, I'm too young. I'm too inadequate. I don't want to do that. And the Lord's saying, no, I'm asking you to do it. And maybe he's saying that to each of us sitting here today. This is the message that you've got. Go and share it with others. And, and the qualities of the prophet in verse 17, which we would read very quickly and not really pay attention to, they're worth dwelling on, aren't they, in verse 17. Therefore, gird thy loins, arise, speak to them that all that I command thee, be not be dismayed. Be not thou dismayed. Um, so so the, the Lord is saying here, prepare yourself, arise and get on with it, deliver the message, speak it to them, and keep going. Don't be dismayed. Plenty of people will say that's nonsense you're speaking. Plenty of people will not listen to what you have to say. But the Lord is saying, keep going with it. Do not be dismayed. Just keep working away uh, at this. So, um, uh, that was Jeremiah's message that he was now going to uh, take forward. Um, and he's going to do it at a time when, uh, when Israel uh, had gone into captivity, when the people of Judah were largely um, uh, a poor nation and a, and a godless uh, nation. Um, but there were signs, uh, particularly under the hand of Josiah, uh, that uh, good men were coming to the fore. Uh, and we can pick them up from the, the, uh, the biblical record, can't we? So people like Hilkiah the high priest, people like uh, Shaphan the scribe. Um, I'll just put his family tree on there, which is, uh, which is well worth looking at. Um, names on that family tree that we're going to come across, uh, certainly in our studies together, and certainly as we read the book of, uh, of Jeremiah uh, in the next month or so, uh, Gemariah certainly, Gedaliah, Micaiah, these are people who were all... Um, actively trying to be godly men or supporting Jeremiah uh, in the work that he was trying to do. So <clears throat> amongst a godless nation, uh, there were good things that were going on. Uh, come with me to uh, 2 Kings 22. Um, yeah, uh, 2 Kings 22, please. And, and you'll need a little bookmark in 2 Kings 22 um, as, as we dot back and forth for a few minutes. <coughs> 2 Kings 22, we're, we're at the time of Josiah's reforms. And you'll remember how, uh, how the temple was being rebuilt. So if you just uh, look from verse 3 onwards in 2 Kings 22, in the 18th year of King Josiah, 
And the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the doors had gathered of the people, and let, let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work. So those who were in charge of the, uh, the restoration of the temple, um, this was to be given to them in order that the work could be uh, undertaken. And it was going to be something quite special. Um, the temple was going to be rebuilt. Josiah had got in mind to restore the house of the Lord. Collections had been made, plans had been taken, uh, and this work was now underway. Plenty of people, godless people, were happy for the temple to re be rebuilt. Uh, lots of um, idolatry was going on here. Lots of worship of false gods was going on here. Uh, and the people generally, not, not the people who followed God, but the people generally were very happy for the temple to be restored. Um, yeah, let's have a lovely place for all these different gods to be worshipped. Uh, no difficulty at all. Have a bookmark in, uh, in, in Kings there and come with me to Jeremiah chapter 7, this, this first temple address that Jeremiah uh, makes. So here he is now, called from Anathoth, coming into the city of Jerusalem, and he's standing at the temple at the time of all this great restoration work going on. Um, and he's got words which are going to cut through this and say, you're missing the point. It comes out very strongly in chapter 7. The word um, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend, thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither work after other gods to your heart, to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your father. So it's a very powerful address. And he's saying, um, don't put your, don't put your uh, um, uh, faith in the bricks and mortar that's being restored behind me. Imagine standing there and all this building work going on. Don't put your trust in this, because if you are not changed people, it's of no value. If you are still people who are going to behave in this way, if you are still people who are going to worship other gods, then any coming in here is, is of no value at all. So he's trying to get through to the heart of their faith here, which was a very weak thing and a very inadequate thing. And he's warning them uh, that they cannot put their trust in the temple. And actually, as it carries on, down at verse 12, uh, think about our earlier verses about Samuel and Eli, but go ye now unto my place which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see that I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. Um, and it's generally thought that Shiloh was uh, destroyed and uninhabited. Um, and that was where the priest was, and that was where the tabernacle was, and that was where the Lord dwelt, and now it's destroyed, it's gone. Go and have a look and see what I did there. If you're putting your trust in this building that's going on here, then you're wasting your time. Go and look and see what I can do to these places. And verse 14, Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done unto Shiloh. And so uh, there's a key message here that um, uh, the, the outward show of the religion that they had uh, was of no value. They needed to change. They needed to be different people. Uh, interestingly, they would not listen. Uh, and, and one of the reasons they would not listen, which isn't absolutely apparent from Scripture, but you can just step outside Scripture and look into history books and see what was going on at the time, uh, and you can see that the people did not believe Jeremiah. And, and, and around this time, we're introduced, not, not within Scripture, but outside Scripture, to a people called the Scythians, who were a great nomadic fearsome uh, fighting army that traveled through the steppes of Central Asia that had no intention of 
moving into lands and conquering and settling. All they wanted to do was sweep through, collect whatever they could, take whatever they possibly could, uh, and then move back to their homeland. Fast moving, uh, always on horseback, no, in no infantry. They weren't weighed down at all by this sort of thing. Um, uh, when Nineveh was surrounded by Babylon in 625 BC, it was the Scythians who swept through uh, and saved Nineveh. It wasn't taken at that particular time. Uh, and lots of historians, um, Herodotus and uh, the Babylonian records, uh, make mention of this. Uh, and there was a time when they swept through Canaan. And they came straight down the Jordan Valley. They were taking whatever they wanted. They didn't come up to Jerusalem. They went straight down to the Egyptian border uh, where uh, the, uh, the, the, the pharaoh there met them and gave them things so they didn't come into Egypt and take them. He just gave them what they wanted and they turned around and went back north. And, and the people of Jerusalem who witnessed this, they, 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 they sort of cowered in their city as this massive army swept down the Jordan Valley, took, taking whatever they wanted and then swept off back up north. They thought, ah, oh, that was it, was it? That, that was the invasion from the north. It's been and gone. And here you are telling us not to put our trust in this temple. Well, we can forget that. We've, we've, we've had your message. We've endured. We've overcome. We'll now carry on where we were before. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and you can see that, that kind of mentality, can't you? Uh, of course, to the people of God, that should be a warning. Uh, that was a near thing. That was a, that was a near miss. That was a close call. We ought to prepare ourselves. Uh, and of course, because, because we view signs from uh, a position of God's word, we're seeing all sorts of things happening. And we think, oh, this might be it. Oh, maybe it's not. Uh, maybe it's to come again. You know, and we have those moments where there's excitement and then it just drops a little bit. Uh, these are sent to encourage brothers and sisters, not for us to say, oh, was that it? And, and, and then give up. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure there would have been men of this time who would be uh, interested by what had happened and think, well, that was a close call. Uh, we wonder what's coming next. Uh, come with me back to, to Second Kings. Uh, would you please? Well, we just uh, resume with Josiah and his reforms, uh, because of course it was uh, it was in this period, wasn't it, that uh, uh, they discovered the book of the law, um, the book of the covenants, uh, often thought to be the book of Deuteronomy. Second Kings chapter twenty-three, the first two verses here. Um, when they've discovered this book, uh, because Josiah was a man of God, you know how he reacted. He wanted to, to read it and find out and assess himself against it to see whether he was doing the things of God. Uh, he wanted to share it with others to make sure that others knew the word of truth and they could understand it. Um, it's always astonishing that the word of God had become lost in the first place, isn't it? But here it is. It's been found. And it's going to be shared, and uh, according to the king's rules, they're going to try and follow it as best they can. So verse 1 of chapter 23, the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up unto the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, all the priests, all the prophets, all the people, both small and great, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. Uh, lovely now, isn't it? Uh, Jeremiah almost certainly was in that crowd. Uh, Jeremiah, who's been commissioned by the Almighty to speak to the people about coming destruction. Here is a king on the throne who's found the word of the Lord and wants it to be shared. He's gathered everybody together and he has um, uh, arranged for this word to be read so that everyone can hear uh, the word of the Lord. Uh, without doubt, Jeremiah heard this book read. Uh, come with me to Jeremiah chapter 7, please. Verse 21. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Jeremiah 7 verse 21. Put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in their counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. And now just cast your eye down your margin and look at the references to Deuteronomy there, and you'll see that uh, all sorts of phrases that Jeremiah is using here uh, are contained in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, verse 23, for example, uh, three phrases, phrases here. Hearken unto my voice is from Deuteronomy 6, verse 3. Um, Walk ye in the ways that I command you, Deuteronomy 5, verse 33, that it may be well with you, Deuteronomy 4, verse 40. Uh, it's just language of the book of the covenants that Jeremiah has heard, uh, and of course under inspiration it's now being used uh, in his preaching. Uh, this is the message that he is communicating. Uh, turn over to chapter 11, please, if you would. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry we're dotting around, but that's the nature of the book, and I'm trying to just build the picture for you here. So Jeremiah um, has come to Jerusalem, he's given his first temple address, um, and he's now heard Josiah's reading of the law, and you can see that Jeremiah's prophecy and Jeremiah's message is, is now seeped through with uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And in chapter 11, uh, we have Jeremiah receiving instruction after the reading of the law. So in Jeremiah chapter 11, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, hear ye the words of this covenant. All right, so that's not just a general introduction to what God is saying next. God is saying here, now you've heard the words of the book of the covenant that's being read out, Jeremiah. You've heard that. Uh, yes, says Jeremiah. Well, this is what I want you to do. So, so, so chapter 11 here uh, is the Lord instructing Jeremiah, who's now heard this book of the covenant. Uh, he's telling him what to do. Verse 2, hear ye the words of this covenant and speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and say thou unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. Direct quote from Deuteronomy 27, uh, of course. Uh, so here is Jeremiah uh, receiving uh, this message and the Lord is saying, I want you to go and speak it. And in verse 6, then the Lord said unto me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. So there's two aspects here to his preaching. One is to the cities of Judah and then to the streets of Jerusalem. Now the cities of Judah, well, that's great. That's Jeremiah's home territory. He, he was raised outside Jerusalem. He was raised in the cities of Judah. He was raised in Anathoth. Uh, this is, this is his, his bag. This is his home territory. Go and speak to the people of Judah. Go and tell them this book of the covenant. Uh, 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 bring repentance among these people. Uh, so, so, so Jeremiah, I suggest at this point, is excited about this prospect. He's going to visit um, his, uh, his home territory and he's going to preach to the people um, about the renewal of this covenant. Chapter 11 has, unfortunately, the reaction of the people. And it's not good. You, you, you knew that, but it's disappointing when we read it, isn't it? Verse 21 of chapter 11. Thus saith the Lord of the men of Anathoth that... Seek thy life, saying, Prophesy not in the name of the Lord that thou die not by our hand. Now, isn't that sad? He's gone back to his hometown where he was raised. He's got the word of life in his hand. He wants to share it with them. He has got the key to life. Uh, initially, uh, a key to being saved from this invasion to the north, but more, the key of salvation. And he wants to share it with his, his brothers who he grew up with, his, his citizens of Anathoth. And they say, if you don't stop speaking this word, we're going to kill you. 
And, that, and that's such a low point, isn't it? That's such a disappointing response that Jeremiah has to deal with. And his own family uh, had come up with that. Uh, verse, uh, if you go into chapter 12, verse 7, I have forsaken mine house. I have left mine heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. Um, it, it, it's almost as if Jeremiah is feeling what the Almighty is going through here. Uh, and he is leaving his family and his inheritance. And he's tried to preach to the cities of Judah. And he's now going to uh, go into Jerusalem. And he's going to try and preach to the people in Jerusalem. Uh, our time has almost gone. Uh, just a moment or two, if you'll come back with me to chapter 5, please. Because we get a little inkling as to how he gets on in Jerusalem. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, he's going to run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, you remember how he was instructed to go to the cities of Judah and preach in the streets of Jerusalem? Well, here he is. Uh, this is the one who's got the message, and he's now going to, despite his setback in, uh, in Anathos, he's coming into Jerusalem, he's going to travel throughout the streets of Jerusalem, and he's going to try and preach to the ordinary people. This is preaching to the man in the street. He's got the message of salvation, and he's going to run to and fro throughout the, uh, the city of Jerusalem, and he's going to try and communicate. But they are not interested he can't make any progress. No one wants to listen to this word that he's, he's bringing. Um, maybe you can relate to that. Uh, and, and Jeremiah has an explanation, doesn't he, in verse 4. Therefore, I said, surely these are poor. They are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of God. So I will get me unto the great men. And I will speak unto them, for they have known the ways of the Lord. I'll go and try somewhere else. I'll go and speak to men of renown. I'll go and speak to man, men in position, men in authority. I'll see if I can communicate with them. Uh, and of course, uh, he gets to them, and they are just as disappointing. So in the end, he denounces them uh, in verse 6, um, and, uh, and talks about the things that would come upon them because of their refusal to listen to the words of the Lord. So, so it's, a, it's, it's a very disappointing situation that we're picking up here, aren't we? We've got a prophet who's been given the word of the Lord. He's been given a commission. Uh, he knows what's going to happen. He's been a, a give, given a commission to travel throughout Judah and in Jerusalem. Uh, and the reaction is the same. At whatever tier of society he takes his message to, uh, this is the reaction he gets. Uh, you can think about the Lord Jesus Christ, can't you, in all this. We haven't yet mentioned him. Um, he had the word of life. He traveled throughout the cities of Judah uh, and Israel, proclaiming these things. He went to Jerusalem. He spoke to the man in the street. He spoke to those in authority. Uh, and the reaction was the same. Uh, and yet, he kept at it until the mission was accomplished. Uh, and Jeremiah has just trod the same road before him. Uh, and Jeremiah, therefore, is being given the privilege of sharing in the work of Messiah. He's going to do the same things. He's going to know what Messiah will go through. He's going to understand what it's like when those of his own home reject him, when his own brothers cast him out and say, uh, uh, why don't you go to Jerusalem? Because they wanted him to be killed there. And Jeremiah's experiencing all that. So, so with this prophet... Uh, we see a lonely man, but a very dedicated man. And through him, we see the dedication and the determination uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I think there is probably a sensible point to stop, brothers and sisters, and we'll resume our story of Jeremiah uh, tomorrow, God willing.